Hello, party people. This is the Just Ideas podcast. My name's Andy. I'm with Andy. And these are Just Ideas. In this episode, we talk about Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. It'll be the last book in our book club series, and we'll explore the dystopian society that offers you sex, drugs, and rock and roll. McIntyre Jr. is hanging out upstairs one day, and his dad comes through and he says, Son, I got you your white shirt fresh from the dry cleaner. I'll set it right here. We have the country club tonight. McIntyre Jr. looks at him and he goes, Dad, I just broke up with my girlfriend. McIntyre goes, What are you talking about? You were just saying at breakfast earlier this morning you were going to do it. You haven't even left the house. He says, Well, I sent a text. McIntyre goes, What? In my day, you had to go over to the girl's house and break up with her. Now you just sent a text? And McIntyre Jr. goes, It was painless. What painless. That's what life is about. Painless. Today, for uh, Andy's Andy's book club, we're talking about the Brave New World. Love that. One book. of my absolute favorite books. Aldous Huxley. It's like magic. He's writing that book in the 1930s, and his depiction of life becomes of this of this Brave New World becomes more accurate every week that passes. That's the brilliance in it. That's why every high school in America wears every high schooler in America reads. I wonder how many kids do you think actually read it versus well, how many it's assigned question. to. And that's what we're hoping our book club does is that people actually start to read books, you know, because you can spark note anything. And you know why they don't read it? Why is that? Because it's the brave new world <laughs> and nobody should have to do anything they don't want to do. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. You want to start it? Or you want me to start it? Well, you can jump into it. I was just going to give a little bit of uh, context if you've never read the book so we can kind of paint the picture a little bit. How about that? Do it. Okay, great. So it's set like you know how we have BC and AD. This is set 632 years after Ford and that's Henry Ford. And they love him because he was the guy that invented really what his big invention was, was the assembly line. So they really appreciate that. There are four values or or three values. I'm sorry, are consumption, constant happiness and orgies. So sex consumption and always staying painless. And it's this story about this guy who lives in this brave new world and he starts to not participate in the different practices that are common. And he says, I want to see how other people live. And so he goes to a savage reservation and meets a very interesting savage named John. And the story is really about this John the Savage and how he sees this brave new world. So we're going to talk about how we see the brave new world and why it's so important. Let me back you up a little bit. Some of the things that I just thought were um, amazing is that human beings come from assembly lines. Right. And they come from assembly lines. So women should not have to go through the beating of childbirth. Yeah, right? because uh, because everything annoying and every problem is going to be um, taken away. They have genetic engineering, so they engineer you to be in these different classes. It's the alphas, the betas, the gammas, the deltas, and in my favorite, the epsilon semi morons, <laughs> right? Who who are That's the right. ones who are supposed to do the meaningless meaningless task? And then you get brainwashed and conditioned. You do. As you said, for happiness, consumption, and meaningless sex. So the thing is, what Aldous Huxley's writing in the 1930s is that our society, first of all, let me back up, these morons in my class who read the book and say, yeah, I don't like it. What do you mean? Well, it's just not interesting. It's like, it's not a story. No. It's, he's trying to make social commentary through a story, which is one of the most clever things a human being can do. So he's trying to get his points across in the story. So his point, of course, is that what we do is we program people to be in a particular class. And they do it overtly and obviously, I think, 
our society does it overtly and obviously, but since we grow up in the society, we are the fish in the water, we don't notice. Right. But you grow up in a certain class of America, you're taught, here's what's important, here's what you should admire, here's what you should wear, here's the accepted dating rituals, and if you believe all that stuff, you end up at a certain spot in society. So people are trying to go to college to be, I don't know, a beta or an alpha, I guess, right? <laughs> right? They're not going to college to learn. They're trying to go to college to get um, conditioned into the kind of person who does a beta and a gamma. So lots of kids in, in, in my class, like more than half of them, are less intelligent than the plumber who comes to my house. But the plumber grew up being conditioned to enter the world in a job like a plumber, and the kids in college, be they actually epsilon semi-morons, are being conditioned to be a beta or an alpha. And then, and then they get to work, and the boss is scratching his head, what's this semi-moron doing at my energy company? I hear you. I think one thing you said, I wanted to back, or just highlight it real quick, you said, we're the fish in the water, and that's a popular metaphor, and there's this great quote that goes along with it, and it says, one thing a fish knows nothing about is water, because they have no anti-environment that enables them to perceive the water that they're living in. And that's the idea we're going for here is we don't even realize what we're swimming in until we take a book like Brave New World and start to look at the water that we're swimming around. I love it. Is that from this book or you just added that in there? I found that quote. It's great, that, isn't good it? Good work. That's why, that's why we've got you here, always <laughs> finding those gems. All right, you got something you want me to go again? You can keep going. Okay, so the goal of the Brave New World is no problems, no struggle, no misfortune. That's right. And the reason that we have old Andy and young Andy is so I can point out all the flaws of young Andy and young society, I right? I fall on the sword for Tell everyone. Tell me this didn't happen. Yesterday during lunch, oh no! one of our production crew was talking about he's driving for Uber Eats. That's right. I've never gotten anything on Uber Eats, <laughs> right? I dare say I could afford it, but it seems moronic to me. And without thinking, he said, yeah, I only deliver to lazy people and young people. He did say that, yep. And I said, what's the difference, <laughs> right? And the point of the story is young people are out for a life with no problems, no struggle, and, 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 and misfortune. And so what Aldous Huxley saw in the 1930s is every time we can reduce problems, struggles, and misfortune, we can't help but do it. And of course, you know, technology and the internet and smartphones and all this thing have made it very, very easy to have a brave new world. Truly, truly it has. I mean, there's also um, another symbol that he uses is this drug called Soma. And it's just as soon as you start to feel uncomfortable, you pop Soma and you're feeling good all of a sudden. And I think that that's not necessarily like a reflection of other drugs in our society. It's just a reflection of all the things that save us the maybe trivial pains that we go through where it's like, I don't want to get up. Uber Eats, it's Soma. You know what I mean? That's the comparison. Yeah, well, it was amazing because he predicted Soma before there were antidepressants. And Soma is essentially an antidepressant, right? You pop the pill and you feel better. And he says at one point in the book, Soma is Christianity without tears. <laughs> okay, you're right. Let me stop you. Karl Marx, because there's inspiration from Karl Marx, he says religion is the opiate of the masses. And what Huxley does here is he takes that idea and he flips it to where opiates are the religion. And I was telling you about this guy named Timothy Keller, and he writes a lot of religious or really Christian books. And he breaks down what 
a religion really is. And what it is, is it's, you know, like an opiate where it's like, this is what I hold on to. And that's why I see a lot of people saying, I don't have a religion. I have a faith with my God. You know what I mean? And so you're right. He takes opiates and paints it as the grand comfort. And that's also what I think Timothy Keller, a biblical and religious scholar, would agree with, which is kind of a funny play because you don't think a religious scholar would agree with something like that. Yeah. And so, so what religion does and what Opi- what opioids do and what soma does is it gives you hope consolation and reassurance okay and consolation just to remind everybody is comfort after loss and disappointment gotcha. right so it makes you feel good so religion as i see it and i've only recently found out you're a religious fanatic right but <laughs> but but um to me what religion's supposed to do is give you hope, consolation, and reassurance by making you sacrifice, making you suffer, make you be a good person who deals with your problems, struggles to be a better person, right? And addresses misfortune with the idea that these things happen and I'm going to try to make it better. I'm not going to avoid it, right? But I'm going to step right in it and deal with it. So religion has been co-opted by the brave new world where, and again, you know, there's lots of wonderful religions, but some of them have gone to the point where it's a religion of the brave new world. Come and play, come and have fun. We we won't even judge you, right? And, And the religion is, is trying not to make you suffer. Because the reason Aldous Huxley knew we would end up in this brave new world is that unless somebody forces you, takes your face and pushes it into the misery and the suffering, humans won't do it. And I always thought that was what religion's role was to do, was to force you to give up what you wanted at the moment and make sure you're suffering. That's why so many of those religions, you know, you wear the hair shirt and you whip yourself, right? You want to, yeah. you want to suffer. Good right. old religions. Good. <laughs> the good old days. Yeah. That's what they say. Go ahead. Go oh, ahead. No, I thought you thought you had. Well, no, I was going to say, I definitely, that's like the old conventions of religion are definitely like to confine it. And I think there's, um, more to it. And I don't want to get bogged down in that, but certainly in the context of brave new world, Soma, the drug is the religion of their time. Right. So, so what goes wrong for, um, Bernard is the one who started thinking for himself. Right. And I'm going to guess some of our listeners think for themselves. Yeah. And you remember in my class, I always said, can you imagine growing up in a small town in Oklahoma where everybody is essentially the same and you feel different. Yeah. So you don't feel like you fit into one of the three churches. You believe different ideas, you have different goals. You have to feel tremendously alone, right? Because conformity, you get into your group and you feel very safe and you feel very warm and you never have to feel miserable because everybody agrees the same thing and we're always right and we don't suffer. So then you're left out like this Bernard guy who's who's thinking and at one point he he feels love for Lenina in in a time when you're not supposed to have monogamous loving relationships, yeah. it's just meaningless sex because nothing is more miserable than a meaningful <laughs> loving relationship, right? <laughs> I mean, Matters of the heart. <laughs> I mean, it's miserable, right? Loving someone is practically miserable. Mm. Because, now you wouldn't know because you're young people and you don't do this anymore. <laughs> but when you but when you really love someone, you're like you're you're worried about them, you're torn up. Right? It's like almost like a constant 
feeling of agitation, sure. which I think is why people avoid it. So when Bernard tries to explain to Lenina that that he loves her with feelings, she doesn't understand and just takes off her clothes. <laughs> I remember that. She just gets naked because she, she'd only ever heard love in the context of sex, which is sad. And I think that's also true is that's how people do it nowadays is you skip right to the sex part. And that's what says he loves me. He doesn't love me. She yeah. loves me. She doesn't love me. Yeah. And it, you know, it feels good. And you and you take away the love part, which is all the pain and agony. <laughs> the love hurts part of the story. And then death. It, you know, it used to be mourning, throw yourself on the funeral pyre, right? <laughs> Wear the clothes. Yeah. And 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 now, you know, you send out an email. Yeah, grandma was uh, put to sleep yesterday. And uh, at, in in the brave new world, the best toys are at the hospital where the people die. Uh-huh. So the little kids come in to watch the old people die, and the old people are watching TV, so they enjoy dying. Even though TV wasn't invented, he knew eventually we would be able to watch meaningless things on screens. Wow, I forgot he that He couldn't detail. even imagine we'd have them in our pocket to watch them every single minute of our life. That's but he knew we would do that, and then the kids were, so the people are watching TV, so they're zoned out as they die, and the little kids are watching the people die, so they don't worry about death. Because they're playing with ha- the best toys wow. while other people die. I forget that part of the book. That's incredible. Yeah, desensitizing um, our feelings about death and loss. Because th- it's another one. It's, it's hard. The loss is, is, uh, is miserable. Certainly, certainly. Um, so Bernard um, is sent away for bucking the system. And we have in, in, in the modern world, right, around, around the world, if you buck the system... There are lots and lots and lots of penalties. Yeah. Part of what goes on in a job interview is we're checking to see if you're going to buck the system, right? And if we believe you're going to buck the system, we're never going to hire you. Like we want cow-eyed believers That's right. who are going to do everything that we say without questioning what's going on. It's kind of a funny thing. You know, they hire us out of college and you think they want someone that's brilliant, but maybe they want someone that's just brilliant within the context of pushing along the overall agenda. And, you know, it's, it's a spoiler alert, but there's the savage and you went into that, right? So, yeah. so Bernard goes outside of the brave new world back to, you know, uh, a Native American reservation where people are living old school. They call them savages. And they call them savages. And the savages feel all the pain. Yeah. And the savages have lots of problems. And then they get the savage from from the reservation, bring him back to London, and he is appalled. Right? It's like from our we we talked about this. It's like our um our book about the uh, the F book. Yeah. Right? What was the name of that? One? It's called The Subtle Art of Not Giving an yeah, F. Yeah, The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. It had a chapter called Happiness is the Problem. Yeah. And really what's at the core of the Brave New World is modern people's need to be happy. Mm-hmm. So people get divorced because like, well, I'm not happy. <laughs> and it's like, you're not supposed to be happy, right? <laughs> is, is what the real answer is. You're not, you're not supposed to be happy. Humans, we're not, we're not supposed to be happy. That's your idea and of living it, it in hell. It used to be. It used to be. I went on a tour up there in uh, Bartlesville where the Frank Phillips house is. And like, this is the guest room. Relatives would come for six months Oh my God. To live in your house for six months and there's one bathroom. <laughs> right? Now, 
your relatives come for two days. I want to get a hotel, right? Because we're going to get on each other's nerves. It's true. Right? You know, oh, they stayed for five hours. It's like, Jesus Christ. Start looking at your watch. Who can stand it, right? <laughs> five hours, your relatives are putting you over the lift. And in the old days, six months. And it's because they didn't expect to be happy. Hmm. And they knew you were supposed to struggle. And there was no way to avoid the struggle. You're just willing to take it on. Yeah, that was, that's, that's, my, uh, that's my take on it. So they go to the Savage Reservation, they take the Savage, they bring him back to London, and he's appalled. So where are we at now? So when he, he comes back, he is um, old school, and everything is without effort, so everything is meaningless. Truly. There is no choice, and there is no freedom. So here's a weird take on it. <laughs> I'm going to tell you there's no choice, there's no thinking, and now in America, because you got to get on one side or the other, you can get on the blue side or the red side. That's right. But if you, when you get on the blue side or red side, you better toe the whole line, mm-hmm. right? You're watching Joe Biden run for president right now. He has to toe the blue line. He can't have any views that differ from the official set of blue views. Yeah. And it's the same thing on the red side. Right, they've they've always had it locked down. Here's what you have to believe to be on the red side. So none of us can think. You can you can choose from two thought processes, but you can't decide that you're going to step out of any one of the beliefs without that group coming to get you. I think you're right. I mean, Bernie Sanders, he was running for president under the Democratic nomination, but he wasn't the straightforward Democratic Democratic candidate like Joe Biden was. And I think that's partly why he lost. It didn't toe the whole line for the Democratic Party. Yeah, and and you see Joe Biden saying things he used to not believe and backing off with things he said earlier because he's got to go right, right down the chute. So there's no more thinking, right? There's no more questioning. And interestingly, they threw out science. They threw out history, right, to create the brave new world. They throw it all out. That's what we're doing, right? And I would say... <laughs> There's a tendency on the red side to throw out some science, but I'd say there's a tendency on the blue side to connect the dots of science and call it science when it really is, well, this is true, this is true, this is true, fair enough, so it means X. Well, I mean, that's connecting the dots. And the red side is just, no, the science isn't right. (laughs) So we've thrown out science, right? right? One side has decided they know the conclusion of science, and the other side has decided we're only going to believe the science that agrees with what we want. So the brave new world is here, and the savage has feelings, and the savage wants to be alive. It's back to our metaphor of the zoo, mm-hmm. right? The savage was living in the Serengeti Plains. He comes to the zoo. He can't take it. He feels, he wants it. He's looking for looking the pain. For and uh, he can't take it. So he ends up, you know, first he's whipping himself to give himself misery. Yeah. Which is what you know. I, I think I enjoy doing. I enjoy just. I enjoy suffering. I can't help it. I enjoy depriving myself. Favorite pastime. And then, sadly, it ends. He kills himself. He does. So, I should have said spoiler alert. <laughs> That's okay. They they had their opportunity in high school to read it, right? I'll tell you what. He does hang himself. And the funny thing about it is, before he does that, they see him whipping himself. And a crowd comes and they're all like admiring it and they're fascinated by this savage inflicting pain on himself and they pop a bunch of Soma pills and they start saying orgy porgy and they start 
having meaningless sex and they get some kind of weird thrill in seeing what to them is totally abstract. Yeah. And it's, um, so everything new is interesting, whether it's interesting or not. Right. Cause right? It's so not, the savage was just, you know, a modern celebrity. Right. And if you want to, you see these, I don't watch any of these internet celebrities, but they're always just like peculiar. Yeah. Right. And it's, you, if you can invent a new kind of peculiar humans will watch. Truly. Right. Let's, how about this? Cause I think there's so much more to unpack. Let's call this part one of brave new world and we'll take on a part two. What do you think? Good. Okay, great. <laughs>